Welcome to the Orange Church Podcast. We are so happy you're joining us today, and wherever you are, we hope you leave feeling encouraged and confident that God is moving. Good morning, church. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, one of the interesting little tidbits and little things that I've learned um, in our year and a half being here um, was that not every moment needs to be filled with something, um, which is great. Um, like, because we just finished up that song and we just kind of sat in that moment. Um, that is really, really good. Um, I've been a part of churches before where every single moment had something planned and prepped. And there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with that, but it's just like, man, if you just stop for a moment and said, okay, let it be. It's okay to let it be, even in a big group setting. And if you're not used to that, it can be a bit uncomfortable. Um, but I want to invite you, invite you to enjoy the discomfort for a moment and uh, learn that. It's good. So... Um, the journey up to going into Pentecost has been interesting, and this morning um, we're going to kind of start with, well, the whole morning is going to be a little bit on the abstract side, so just kind of wrap your heads around that for a moment. Um, it could sound like things are going to come out of left field, but it's all going to come together and make sense. At least it does in my head. If it doesn't for you guys, sorry. <laughs> um, but this is what worked in my head. There's a simple equation out there that, uh, in most contexts, but mostly in a business sense, holds true. Um, money equals power. Wealth equals ability. Like I said, in the business sense, that typically reigns true, and I'm not knocking businesses for doing that. Um, what's interesting is uh, I, I heard a story of a business professor at a college asking all the, the fr- first year freshman students, what's the point of running the business that you're gonna run? And they all gave answers like, you know, to make the customer happy, to do this, to do that. And it's all based on external things. And the professor stopped and said, no, it's not. Your number one goal as a business is to make money. You started the business to earn money. And, like, and so like, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Like run the business and do well with it, right? So for good or for bad, Money equals power, in that sense. Um, money is a driving force in our daily lives, and it really is. And that's where, like, money equals power. Um, a lot of times, there are there are circumstances in which we might hold off on a medical procedure because the out-of-pocket cost, even though we have the insurance, is still too high. So the money has that power of us to say, "You don't have it, hold off," when we might really need it. Um, money has the power to change a graduating student's choice of schools when they realize that the student loan debt might not be worth it. And they can be really let down because they wanted to go to that one particular school. Money has the power to drive our, the decisions of what kind of food we eat and food we buy because of cost. Uh, we, have, we had friends that lived in Susanville, California, which is... 80 some odd miles from Reno. And every two weeks, they drove from Susanville, California to go grocery shopping at Winco in Reno, Nevada. Because 
they gave the example, the block of cheese in Susanville, California cost $11. The block of cheese at Winco in Reno cost $4. So for them, gas, every two weeks, it was worth it for them to make a, a three-hour round-trip drive. Money drove that decision. Money has a lot of power behind it, for good or for bad. If we look at the history of Amazon, some might be a little shocked by it, some might be awakened to it, some might know it and be okay with it. But in the recent history, there have been reports of drivers out there talking about how bad the conditions are to drive for Amazon. Not a lot of time for breaks, can't really use the bathroom, can't stop for lunches because they have to get those prime deliveries out. And their work and their livelihood depends on it. And why would Amazon do that? Why would they have such conditions that seem really harsh, right? Well, when you go back to 1994, when Amazon started, Jeff Bezos, Bezos, however you want to say his last name, purposely ran a company that undersold products to gain a bigger base, to continually invest into the business for the future. So at the time, the purpose was to leverage money to make ends meet for the good of the company in the future. And now he's worth $192.3 billion. And it's crazy to think, and we can get really mad at him because there's 333 million people in the US. He could single-handedly by hand every single person a million dollars and end poverty in the US. And we can shake our fists at him. But our, what is it? Uh, Gosh, there's a line in Tombstone, one of my favorite. My, the only Western I watch is Tombstone. And Doc Holliday says something like, our hypocrisy knows no bounds. Um, because we get really mad about that, but at the same time, we, we get on Amazon and we look at how much we can save and not use our gas to go to the store. And do you see what I'm saying? Like, we were both on both sides leveraging money for the sake of something else. So it's interesting to kind of look at how that much has a, uh, a drastic effect on what we do. The pendulum swings in all directions, right? That's kind of like the, uh, a negative look at power. A more positive look at power is what we have on going on around us. There's lights in here, and we call electricity power. And we like power. We like lights. When we turn on the lights, the darkness goes away. And if, you know, when, we, when we tell ourselves this, it's true. When lights are on, we feel more secure about our surroundings. We feel a little bit more unsecure when things are dark. What's, what I find uh, incredible is that we intuitively guard ourselves from dangers that we anticipate might be there and anticipate things that aren't even there in the dark. When we lived in Reno, we had a, a, a decent-sized youth group, and, and every now and then, a couple times a year, we had overnight events, and... It ended up happening. I didn't have to plan it, which was great. But around 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, the students were like, it's time to play hide-and-seek. So for adults at an overnighter like that, it's like, oh, okay. Where can I hide that I can get some sleep and they're not going to find me? That was kind of like our goal, um, which for, for myself, it was in the baptismal because we had like this heavy wood thing on top of it that you can walk across. So I would prop it up and get down inside and go to sleep. For about 30 minutes, it was great. Um, but what was so fun about that is, like, in the, like, say, like in the children's room, 
where all the stuff was put on the side of the walls and like you could walk straight through the entire room from door to door and not touch a thing in the middle of the room. As soon as we shut the lights off, the kids were putting their arms against the side of the wall and walking along the side of the wall. And even though they know nothing's in the middle, they were willing to put their hands on the side of the wall and run into tables or run into chairs and all the other things that they couldn't see rather than just walk. There's something about the dark that we just don't trust. So before we go any further, I want to ask you a question to just keep inside your brain. Don't answer it out loud just yet, and maybe we'll answer it later, I don't know. But for right now, keep, it, keep the answer up here. Does darkness really have any power? Just let that kind of mull for a while. Because as we journey through Pentecost, or going up into Pentecost, we've been walking through a lot of different parts of what does it mean to really experience the, the moment of Pentecost, or what does it mean to like live in that, in that moment of, of with the Holy Spirit. And, and so we, we talked about living in the kingdom, not living in fear, which, okay, pastoral confessionary moment, I'm freaking out on the inside right now. I have a flight on Tuesday, and I've always struggled with flying. And so like, just be praying that my heart goes... And I can like not live in that fear. Preached on it last week. Don't live in fear. And here I am all week long going, oh my gosh, I got to fly. Sorry, it's just, I, I also thought last week, I said, it's much easier to read than to live out. And that's very true. And so like, just so you know, I'm just as human as you guys are. I got my struggles. Um, there we go. Um, yeah, not sure why I had to put that out there, but I did. So not, not living in fear, not doubting. We talked about Thomas. Living in the hospitality. Um, and today we're going to like, just kind of like, get into the light that we've been given and the power that we actually have. I would say open your Bibles to a particular text, but I got two different ones that I'm going to hit really fast. So pay attention to the text this morning. Um, The first one is John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. And it says this, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Then I'm going to jump into 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So John is the author of both of these books, um, and rightly so, because you know John and 1 John... Um, And on the surface level, I want us to take just a brief look at what these two verses are saying. So the Word gives life. The Word is Jesus. This is the capital W Word. So if you go back into John chapter 1, we have this whole thing. Like in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the whole, like if you're not paying attention, get really confused just saying that passage out loud. But the Word that it's talking about, the capital W Word, is Jesus. And the word gives life to everything that was created. The giver of life. And that means he has created us. He has given us life. We have this incredible gift right before us. Jesus is the light giver because Jesus is the light. And here's the great thing. The light can never be defeated by darkness. Jesus can never lose. Just think for that for a moment. Like, Jesus can never lose. And if Jesus is the light, also God is light, and God and Jesus are the same in one. 
Uh, and God is perfect light with no fault, no wrong, no darkness, pure as pure can be. The source of power, the light, Jesus, can't lose. This is the one who's given us life, creation, whole nine yards. Darkness cannot defeat the light. So now I want to take us back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Very familiar passage, right? In the beginning, God created the light. It has been given to us. We hold the keys of the kingdom to live on this earth. So in essence, like where we walk, there shouldn't be darkness. Created by the word in which the light lives. What's interesting is like, and again, I'm kind of digging a little bit. Sorry, I'm not trying to like do this, but I, it, I think it just kind of helps drive the point. We've been in a number of churches. We, we've been in churches across the states, and, and there's a common theme. We want revival. We want to see great things happen. So churches pay thousands of dollars for someone to come in to scream at them for a week. And then nothing changes. And we say we want revival. It starts with you and with me and what's going on in our world. We don't need someone to come in here and say, like, you're horrible people. Go out and do stand in the corners. Here's the real, like, evangelism is not some tricky, magical formula. It's you living your life. The things that you're passionate about, do them in the, in the realm of Jesus, and you'll find incredible stories happening. It's simple conversations with the neighbors. I think I can share this because I don't think she'll ever watch it. We had a neighbor move out a few months ago, live next door to us. I had Melissa out there all the time, calling me by my name, Josh, but our neighbor couldn't, I was always John. I'm still John. She stopped by last week. It's okay. It's whatever. It is what it is. But she moved out in February. Her, her and her boyfriend, they moved out. They moved to a different part of town. And, and her mom passed away. And she came back to the house to let us know, to talk to Melissa. And she was there for, what, 25, 30 minutes? She's been gone for two months. Thought we'd never see her again in our lives. Again, not patting ourselves on the back for being great neighbors, but like th these are the things, these are kingdom building moments, right? Like the conversations that we have on a daily basis will bear fruit in the long run. We might not always see them. We might not, not always be a part of it. But at some point, we'll, we'll, fruit will happen. But your light has to be on. And you can sit back and say, like, well, I, I, I share advantages by the way I live my life and what I do on my actions. Great, that's awesome. But I know you don't walk this earth as a mute. Which means at some point, words are going to come out of your mouth. So do your actions follow suit with what comes out of these lips? Do the actions follow suit with what comes out of your fingertips onto the keyboard? As you drive, as you walk the grocery store, as you talk with your kids and grandkids, Evangelism is life. 
I had a question given to me back in, back in Reno. It was a Pastor Appreciation Month thing, and they had all the pastors up on every single Sunday and got all sorts of questions. And it was random stuff, and we never really got the questions. And here I am standing before, my wife and I are standing before a whole group of people, and this guy asks a very loaded question. So are you going to homeschool your kids or put them in a, in a, in a public school? <laughs> and it's like, and, and understand the context of, of Reno at the time. Like our youth group was like half and half homeschool and half like kids in public school and private schools. Like it was just like, and it was, there was all sorts of different ideas and stuff floating around. And I'm like standing before the entire church going, how, why would you ask this question? <laughs> and it just came down to no matter where we put our kids into school, we need to be engaged in what's going on in their life. Because good things happen out of homeschooling, good things happen out of public school, good things happen out of private school, bad things happen out of homeschool, bad things happen out of private school, bad things happen out of public school. The number one factor is our involvement in our kids' lives. And I think that goes very true for how we live in this world we can be a part of many different circles and many different avenues and many different scenarios and situations. But how are you responding to every single one of those things? That's key, and that's the evangelism. Your passion. This is why we've been kind of like talking about this for the past year as we get ready to make this transition. Your passions will make and break this church. My passion will make and break this church. Because are we going to go out there and live with the light switch on and say, I love working in this part of the city and this is what I do and this is what it is. I love working over here with this organization. I love working in this and I love doing this and all these things we're all going to do for Jesus in different ways. Or do we want to just make Sunday Sunday and go through the motions? It's crazy sometimes when we think, well, what if? We recently purchased um, a vehicle for us, and there was this little uh, butcher block paper on the wall, and it had a quote on there. Quote? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I took a picture of it, and it said that winners are losers that got mad and did something about it. And I thought it was kind of funny, and then at the bottom it says, the ironic part with those situations is that the changes they had to make were so small, it's laughable. Church, we might look at the world and say, oh my gosh, there's so much craziness going on. How in the world can I even make a difference? Jesus is saying, walk in light, do it small step, and watch what happens. But I can't do this. Make a small change and see what happens. And you look back and it would almost be laughable. <laughs> Why didn't I just do that from the beginning? Have you ever had those moments when you made a change? You're like, if I just would have done that from the get-go, everything would have been fine? It's almost as Jesus if knows what he, like, he knows what he's talking about. It's like, I don't know. We have the light within us to live the kingdom on earth. And when it comes to the devil, <laughs> the darkness, there's no power. Walk out of here today knowing that you 
you've been willingly and easily stopped the devil in his tracks by just saying, no. You don't get to. I'll be practicing that in the next couple days. Turn your light switch on. And do great things. Be the light. Let me pray for you. Then we got a couple of announcements for you, okay? Church, thank you so much for this morning, for our community, for you being light. Help us live your light, the light that you've given us, to be able to, to look at our circumstances and say, nope, not today. I'm not going to live in that crazy. I'm not going to live in that sin. I'm not going to live in that circumstance. I'm not going to live in that addiction. I'm not going to live in that heartache. Not today. Help us to understand your power. You're an incredible, God. And we just want to say amen. Once again, thanks for joining us at Orange Ridge Church. If you'd like more information or to contact us, head over to orangewoodchurch.org.